This is my second time being up here this morning, and I was looking across the congregation. Folks, on this side, I want to compliment you. You've almost filled your whole side up. You're the sheep for the day. You folks in the middle need to get busy filling these spots right in here. The front is always a troubled spot. We need to work on that. Y'all are in second place this morning, but now I challenge you in the middle. I know you've got a bigger spot to feel, okay? Good job over here. Whoever was in charge of it, really good job. Let's turn together in our Bibles to Romans chapter 15, verse 22. Two weeks ago, we talked about and studied God's purpose for your life from the previous passage in this chapter, verses 14 through 21. It's a passage about God's purpose for Paul's life, which was to be a minister of Jesus to the Gentiles, offering to those Gentiles the gospel of Christ like a priest would make an offering to the people so that in turn Paul could offer those who believed back to God as an acceptable sacrifice. And from that, we learn that God has a specific purpose for every Christian's life. And like with Paul, he gives to every one of us people, and he gives to every one of us ability to reach those people. Now, it's not the same people that he gave Paul. Your people won't be the exact same people that other people in the church have. It's not the same ability that Paul had or the same ability that others have. But he gives to each one of us our own people and our own ability or abilities. God gives us these to be a servant of Jesus to them by giving them the gospel of Christ so that they will give themselves to Him and we then can give them back to God. Today's passage is about Paul's plan to fulfill God's purpose for his life. And from this, we're going to talk and learn about your plan to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Now you may know where you want to go. You may know where you're supposed to go, where God would have you to go. You may agree with what we studied two weeks ago and what I've just said. But if you don't have a plan to get there, you won't. If you aren't taking steps in that direction... You will never get there. Most every one of us have heard it said that a failure to plan is a plan to fail. And we've probably also heard it said that if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. That may be where you are. Aiming at nothing and hitting it all the time. Failing to plan, and therefore planning to fail. Paul not only knew God's purpose for for his life, that is, where God wanted him to go, but he had a plan for getting there. As a church, over the past few years, we've talked about God's purpose for us. Our mission, you could call it. And we know and agree that we need to be headed toward the glory of God. The glory of God being declaring His glory, revealing His glory through the way that we live and the way that we talk and the things that we do as a church. And we also know and agree that we do this best, we glorify God best by making disciples or making followers of Jesus through reaching those that that aren't followers of Christ, through teaching those that are. 
through making disciples of Jesus here and everywhere. So we always need to be taking steps toward making disciples to the glory of God. But many churches get this, at least in theory. And many churches say this, at least they say it with their words. But it's not enough to get it and to say it and to talk about it. It doesn't just happen. That's why we have talked about and included in our mission statement and our covenant how we are going to get there. It would be our plan to fulfill God's purpose for our church. We plan, biblically I would say, to make disciples to the glory of God by involving our members, the members of this church, in worshiping, involving them in studying, especially in the context of a Sunday school class, by involving them in praying and serving and witnessing. That's our plan to fulfill God's purpose for our church. But what about your own life, Christian? Do you have a plan to fulfill God's purpose for your life? I would remind you from the passage two weeks ago that His purpose for your life is to use the ability and the abilities that He's given you to reach the people that He's given you for Jesus. Do you have a plan to get that done? You won't just get there. It won't just happen. Listen, folks. We plan for things that are far, far, far less important than this. And we do it all the time. Many of us never give a second thought putting together a plan as best we can for this, the very most important thing that there is. Paul had a plan for this. So we're going to read about it, and we're going to use it to think about your plan to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Follow along with me as I begin to read in verse 22 of Romans chapter 15. That is why I have been prevented many times from coming to you. But now I no longer have any work to do in these provinces and I have strongly desired for many years to come to you whenever I travel to Spain. For I hope to see you when I pass through and to be assisted by you for my journey there once I have first enjoyed your company for a while. Right now I'm traveling to Jerusalem to serve the saints. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Yes, they were pleased and indeed are indebted to them. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual benefits, then they are obligated to minister to Jews in material needs. So when I have finished this and safely delivered the funds to them, I will visit you on the way to Spain. I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. Now I appeal to you, brothers, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit to join with me in fervent prayers to God on my behalf. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea that the gift I am bringing to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints, and that by God's will I may come to you with joy and be refreshed together with you. The God of peace be with all of you. Amen. Paul's plan to fulfill God's purpose for his, his life involved four parts. Missions, church, 
ministry or service and prayer. The first part of Paul's plan to fulfill God's purpose for his life was missions. What we would call missions. In verse 22 we see this. He says there, that is why I have been prevented many times from coming to you. Paul had all along wanted to get to Rome, these people that he's writing to. But he had been prevented from getting there for a very long time. What had prevented him from doing so? We'll go back to verses 20 and 21 and you'll see there what it was. He said, my aim is to evangelize where Christ has not been named. You may remember from two weeks ago's passage that Paul understood his purpose to be to be a minister of Jesus to the Gentiles, offering them the gospel of Christ so that he could turn around and offer them back as an acceptable sacrifice to God. And he especially saw as his purpose to do this in the Gentile areas of the world where the gospel had not previously been. He said again, my aim is to evangelize where Christ has not been named, where the gospel hasn't been taken, where churches haven't been planted, therefore where people have not believed. He said it's so that I will not build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, and he quotes from the Old Testament, those who were not told about him will see. And those who have not heard will understand. In verses 23 and 24 of our passage today, we can see his heart for missions. What we would call today pioneer missions. Carrying the gospel to unreached parts of the world, to unreached peoples of the world. He said, but now I no longer have any work to do in these provinces where he had been was areas of Asia Minor and Europe and the gospel had been carried to these places churches had been planted he said and I have strongly desired for many years to come to you that is to come to Rome but Rome wasn't his stopping point his ultimate destination was to Spain whenever I travel to Spain because you see for Paul Spain represented an unreached place unreached people he said in verse 24 for I hope to see you when I pass through but again he wasn't just headed to Rome he said it was to be assisted by you for my journey there my journey to Spain to these unreached people I want you to be a part of helping me get there and, and the work and the missions that I will do in verse 28 he said so when I have finished this and safely delivered the funds to them I will visit you but I'll do it on my way to Spain Paul planned to go to Spain in the Old Testament this was the place that would have been referred to as Tarshish. You ever heard of that? You have. Think about it. That's where Jonah was headed. And Paul wanted to get there with the good news of Christ. Again, it was an unreached place, unreached people. This was his plan because his plan involved missions. The interesting thing is we're not sure if he ever got there. Church tradition says that he did. Church scholarship and church history says they're not quite so sure. But he still planned to go. Because he was always planning for missions. And even if he didn't get there, guess what? The gospel eventually did. And it had something to do with his plan that involved missions. The second part of Paul's plan 
to fulfill God's purpose for his life included the church. The local church. In this case, it was the church at Rome. Look at verse 22 and 23 again. That is why I have been prevented many times from coming to you. The people that he was writing to, the the Christians in Rome, he wanted to be with them. He had never been there. Verse 23, it says, But now I no longer have any work to do in these provinces, and I have strongly desired for many years to come to you. He wanted to get there. Because he loved the church. He loved the local church. He loved this local church, the church at Rome. And he spoke about his desire to get to them, to be with them, as early as the first chapter of this letter that he wrote. Flip back to Romans chapter 1 and look at verse 8. That's a lot of turning now. We're still in the same book. Y'all sound like you're turning to Ecclesiastes or something. Just a few pages. Unless you've got such large print that it's 50 pages or something. Verse 8. It says, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because the news of your faith is being reported in all the world. He was thankful for the church, for this church. For God, whom I serve with my spirit in telling the good news about His Son, is my witness that I constantly mention you, always praying for this church, the local church, other local churches, always asking in my prayers that if it is somehow in God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. For I want very much to see you, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. It's one of the reasons he wanted to go there. God had given him ability that would be a blessing to that church as it had been to other churches. That may sound arrogant, but listen to verse 12. He says, that is to be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. It wasn't just that he would benefit them, but they would benefit him as well. Mutual edification. Verse 13, now I want you to know, brothers, that I have often planned to come to you, but was prevented until now, in order that I may obtain a fruitful ministry among you. That's why I wanted to go, because their fruit could be born, just as it has been among the rest of the Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and barbarians, both to the wise and the foolish, so I am eager to preach the good news to you also who are in Rome. And he did even before he got to them. And it's what we find in this wonderful letter that we've been studying for two years. His preaching of the gospel to the church at Rome before he would ever get there. Look back to verse 24 in Romans 15. Paul says, For I hope to see you when I pass through, through to Spain, and to be assisted by you, He needed them just as they needed him and to be assisted by you for my journey there. Once I have first enjoyed your company for a while, Paul Paul enjoyed the church, the local church, being a part of it. Look at verse 28. The second part, he says, I will visit you on the way to Spain. Verse 29, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ, that his being with them would result in his being blessed and their being blessed as well. But you know what? Although this was his plan to get to Rome, it didn't work out in the exact way that he planned. I am 100% confident that as Paul wrote these words, He had no idea exactly how it would go down in his getting to Rome. Do you know how he eventually got to Rome? As a prisoner. 
barely surviving a shipwreck, among other things, snake bite, all that other stuff. But he still planned it. And God, all the while, was working out his plan. Paul's plan to reach the Gentiles revolved around the local church. In this case, the local church at Rome, but other local churches that we read of throughout the New Testament. His plan to reach the Gentiles and offer them back to God didn't simply revolve around the local church, but it included his work in the local church because he loved the church. He didn't just love the idea of the church. He loved the nuts and the bolts of the church, the flesh and the blood of the church, the local church. He loved it. Everything Paul did was for the local church. And everything he did was from the local church. The third part of Paul's plan to fulfill God's purpose for his life was ministry. Or maybe you understand it better if I call it service. No matter what you call it, I'm talking about meeting needs. Physical needs. Practical needs. Especially meeting needs of the saints. Look at verses 25 through 27. Right now I'm traveling to Jerusalem to serve the saints. Before he would go to Rome and then to Spain, he was headed to Jerusalem to serve or to minister to the saints. If you're of the idea that saints is a reference to only a select few super-duper Christians that are so good that they go to heaven because they're so good and they've got extra goodness to pass on to you, so you need to pray to them to get some of that extra goodness to pass for you, then you have totally been misled regarding the usage of the word saints in the New Testament. Y'all remember a long time ago when I first came and we were going through Philippians chapter 1, I asked y'all to call me something. What was it? Saint Micah. And I said I'll turn around the favor for you and call you that as well because if we're trusting on Jesus to save us, we are a saint. Saint means set apart. We're not set apart because of who we are or what we do. We're set apart because what Jesus has done counts for us. Paul was concerned with the believers in Jerusalem. Verse 26 says, For Macedonia and Achaia, churches in that area, were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. Jerusalem was experiencing a real economic downturn. There had been a terrible famine. Most of the citizens of Jerusalem were poor hungry but even among the poor the Christians in Jerusalem were the poorest because in addition to having to deal with the bad economy and the famine they were persecuted fathers were imprisoned it made their financial situation much much worse Paul had been involved in collecting an offering to be taken back to these poor saints, these needy saints in Jerusalem. In verse 27 it says, yes, they were pleased, that is the churches and the Christians in Macedonia and Achaia and other places, they were pleased and indeed they are indebted to them, that is the churches in Asia Minor understood their indebtedness to the saints in Jerusalem because the gospel had gone forth from there. Paul says, for if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual benefits, which they have and we have, then they are obligated to minister to Jews in material needs. In verse 28, he speaks of safely delivering the funds to them and finishing that work. The idea for this offering was planted in the mind of Paul, and it's recorded in Galatians chapter 2. 
Paul was called back to the church leaders in Jerusalem to give a report about his work among the Gentiles because some false reports were being given about his preaching. And he shared with them what he was doing. He shared it to Peter and James and John, leaders of the early church, and they extended to him the right hand of Christian fellowship, and they said, keep doing what you're doing, keep preaching what you're preaching, but we only ask that you remember the poor. And he did. He wrote about collecting this offering in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and then in his second letter to the Corinthian church, he spent two whole chapters talking about this offering, for the needy saints in Jerusalem. I used a bunch of that last week as we talked about giving. Some of the best stuff in the Bible on the subject of giving he wrote in regards to this offering. The delivery of this offering is recorded in Acts chapter 24. And he did this because of the way he understood the church, that the church is a body, the body of Christ. And all the parts of it are connected. He did this because of a sense of responsibility he had toward other believers everywhere. He did this because of his love for his brothers and sisters in Christ. He wanted to meet the needs of these brothers and sisters. He wanted to minister to them, to serve them. And he wanted churches to as well. But beyond that, he took part in this offering. He led up this offering because he wanted to break down a wall that existed between the Jews and the Gentiles. Even between Jewish and Gentile believers. And listen folks, there was a big wall. And he wanted to do his part in breaking it down. And he thought that by the Gentiles giving to the needs of the Jewish Christians, that their hearts would be knit together and that wall could be torn down. Now a fourth part to Paul's plan for fulfilling God's purpose in his life was prayer. Look at verse 30. He says, now I appeal to you, brothers, through our Lord Jesus Christ and through the love of the Spirit. I appeal to you because we're kin through Jesus. I appeal to you based on the common love for each other and other saints that, that the Spirit is placed in believers to join with me. The word join there means to strive with me, to wrestle with me, to fight with me, to agonize with me in fervent prayers, passionate prayers to God on my behalf. Do you see how his plan included prayer? They're praying for him as he was praying about it himself. Verse 31, he talks about what he wants them to pray for. He says, pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea. When Paul came back to Jews in Jerusalem, they weren't throwing him a ticker tape parade. Most of them there hated him and would have liked nothing better than to be a part of killing him. He said, pray that I may be rescued from these unbelievers who oppose me and oppose the Lord. He also said, pray that the gift I am bringing to Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints. Did you know it was in doubt as to whether or not the Jewish Christians would even take an offering from the Gentiles because of that wall? Pray that it may be acceptable. Pray that it may work towards breaking down that wall. Some of the Jewish believers had wrong ideas about Paul. Thought he had gone a little soft. Was preaching a different gospel. So he said pray that this would work. Verse 32 he said and pray that by God's will. Not just mine. That by God's will I may come to you. Get to you in Rome. And be with you. And, and do so with joy. And be refreshed together with you. Folks, prayer was Paul's way of plugging in to the power for his plans. It was also a way for him to balance his plans with God's plans. 
because oftentimes they aren't the same. And it's not that we're always in the wrong in that. Sometimes we don't know the specific plans of God until we get there. And we can plan and plan and plan, as Paul did here, but we don't know every little detail of God's plan for our life and carrying out our purpose. Paul referenced there God's will. Even as he spoke of his plans, it shows that he had submitted his plans ultimately to God's plans. And he prayed, and he asked that the church would pray. Do you realize that one way of looking at it would be to say that his prayer wasn't completely answered? He wasn't totally rescued from the unbelievers in Jerusalem. They got him. They almost killed him. Had to be in prison to get away from them. I'm not sure that he came to Rome with the joy that he anticipated because he came as a prisoner via shipwreck. I don't know that the refreshment that he was anticipating or expecting in Rome was exactly what he got, being that he was a prisoner while there. But he did have some anticipation that it would go down this way. He did have some expectation. The Holy Spirit's witness to him. He said, all I know is that the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit that wherever I go, chains are going to await me and persecution. Before he went to Jerusalem, he went to a local church and Agabus, a prophet in that church, tied his hands up and said, this is what awaits you in Jerusalem. And it did. But still he prayed. And still he invited the church to pray for him and with him as he did other churches in other letters. Now this was Paul's plan. Mission, church, ministry of service, prayer. It's why he was going to Jerusalem. It's why he wanted to go to Rome and Spain. Now the whole gist of my argument or my point this morning is that we should borrow from Paul's plan and make it our own. At the very least, make these parts of our plan. Knowing God's purpose for your life is good, but even better is knowing and carrying out your plan to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Your plan to fulfill God's purpose for your life should include these four parts. Missions. You still with me? Missions. Two weeks ago we talked about how God has given you people. Well, He has given you and me more people than we realize. In a way, he's given us, even to you and me, the world. All nations is what Jesus referred to it as in Matthew 28. In our mission statement, we refer to it as people here and everywhere. In particular, he has given to every believer, he has given to all believers, Spain. Now before you get excited about going to literal Spain and watching Barca play or Real Madrid play or getting your Morocco dance on and all of that, I'm using Spain figuratively here. Some of you are dreaming of paella even as I speak of Spain. But by Spain, I'm referring to the unreached parts and the unreached people of the world. Think about these folks. They have absolutely no hope apart from hearing the gospel. And they have absolutely no hope of hearing the gospel apart from followers of Christ ensuring that the gospel is taken to them. Their predicament of being lost is a unique predicament. It is the worst experience of lostness that there could be. Being hungry and having access to food isn't the same as being hungry and having no access to food. These are people that are hungry who have no access to food. 
and we have the food. There are many Spains in the world today. Even 2,000 years later, I say that to all of our shame. And I can't think of anything more important for us to be involved in, for you to be involved in and me to be involved in than getting the gospel to the places and the people of the world who don't have it. Part of your plan should be to go and do missions. For some of you, that will be full time. Praise God. For some of us, less than that. But we all, as long as we are physically able, should go and do missions. Part of our plan that includes missions should be to give. Paul used the word assist, and it made me think of my favorite basketball player of all time, Magic Johnson. I can't tell you how many afternoons I dreamed that I was Magic Johnson in my backyard. Six foot nine, white point guard from Linden, Alabama, Octagon, Alabama. I'm only nine inches short, eight inches short. And the Magic Man was magic because he understood that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. Assist. You don't always have to be the one scoring the basket or the goal. You don't always have to be the one leading the person to Christ. But we can make the path by giving to missions. Part of our missions plan should include prayer, involvement of other types in missions. Missions is not the job of others. It's not the job of missionaries alone. It is our job It's a part, a big part of our job and should be a big part of our plan to accomplish our job or God's purpose for us. It's a way that we use the abilities God has given us. Especially, we need to see the unreached people of the world as a part of the people that God has given to us, even to you. We also need to see them as targets of our God-given abilities. Make missions a primary part of your plan to fulfill God's purpose for your life. If you don't know how, in about a month, we're going to take the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, all of which will go to international missions, and a big part of that goes to the unreached parts. Start there and give. Give generously. Give sacrificially. Go on a missions trip. Learn about an unreached people group. If you want to talk about more ways, we can. Involvement in missions will make you more concerned with the people that you more easily recognize as the people God has given you. Missions involvement will make you bolder and better with those people, and it will make you aware that you always have more people than what you realize. Second, as a part of your plan to fulfill God's purpose for your life, Include church, your church, the local church. Every Christian should have one. We need it for corporate worship, the benefits thereof. We need it for study. We need it for the big group. We need it for small groups, Sunday school. We need it, like Paul, for encouragement, amen, for refreshment, for enjoyment, for company, for fellowship, for help, for mutual edification, for service opportunities, for the blessing of Christ that we can both give and receive, for love, for accountability, for instruction, for discipline. We need it for all of these reasons, and all of them are towards the end of glorifying God by fulfilling His purpose for our life, and you doing it for yours. And you will never do this apart from the local church being a central part of your plan. The church is where a big part of the people God has given you are. It's where you have a main opportunity to use your God-given abilities. It's where we are served the gospel of Christ so we can serve the gospel of Christ to others. Church is where we serve Christ. By serving his body. It's where we are made a disciple. 
so that we can make disciples. It's where we offer ourselves so we can make an offering of others. It's where we learn about missions and give to missions and do missions. It's the church, the local church, our church. Or if you're not a part of this one, your church. The same church that is under attack today. And do you know who's attacking it? And this will be a surprise. It's not just Washington. It's not just all the bad guys outside of it. The worst attacks on the church are from those within it. And in many cases, those who lead it. People who say that they love Jesus, but they don't love the local church or see the need for it. And folks, if you love Jesus, you're going to love his church. You're going to love your church. And if you don't, you're going to be convicted about it. People who see the church as outdated and unnecessary and even as a hindrance to getting things done. When all along, it's been God's only plan for getting things done. The church is the body of Christ. It's His bride given to Him from eternity past as a gift from His Father. The local church is the subject of much of the New Testament. When the word church is used in the the New Testament, 99% of the time it's talking about the local church. It's central to the plan of Jesus. Central to Paul's plan. Must be to yours. And I know it is to mine, even this church. And I make a recommitment of myself to it today before you and before God. I'm thankful that God gave me parents who, if by nothing else, dragging me there, made me understand that the local church is a big deal. God's purpose for your life includes your church. Does your purpose include the same thing? God loves the church. Paul loved it. Do you? I'm going to ask you an even more penetrating question. What importance does the church have in your life? In the life of your family? On your list of priorities, where is it? Christian, does your life revolve around the church? A couple of generations ago, Christians' lives did. Not so much anymore. Should, as your life revolves around Christ, it will. What about your plan to fulfill God's purpose for your life? Does it revolve around the church? I love you. I love all of you. I want what's best for you. I want God's best for you individually, family-wise, group-wise, this church-wise. I hope you know I love you. If you don't think so, I'll do whatever I can to communicate it to you, to, to show it to you. So I say this from love. This is a major concern of mine for the future, not of the church, but of some local churches. I wonder where Sunday night service is going to be when the next generation dies out. I wonder if we didn't have meals on Wednesday night, how many folks we could get to come and just hear the Word of God and pray together. And I love the meals just like you do. I say, as your pastor, that there are many members within our church, and I'm probably preaching to the choir this morning because you hear. There are many members in our church who by their actions demonstrate that church, this church, isn't really important to them. And I'm not saying that from a position of being better. I'm not. I lovingly call on you to get it right here. To get it right for God. To get it right for our church. To get it right for your plan to fulfill God's purpose for your life third part it should include. I know what time it is. I had these two messages two weeks apart. I knew they were going to take extra time. We'll make it. You'll make it. The roast will make it. Ministry and service. 
as we are striving to minister to and serve Jesus, we will be meeting the needs of his people. These are the people he has given to you, people he's given to me. Folks, do you know that we serve the gospel with more than just our words? And do you know that we serve the gospel to more than just the lost? We are to serve it to the saints by meeting their needs. Scripture says, do good unto all people, but especially to the household of faith. And this happens as we become aware of needs, as we notice needs, as we discipline ourselves to look for needs in our congregation and in the whole congregation of God's people, in our body and in the body. Do you know when we hear about a need among the people of God, be it here or elsewhere, those people become our people. People God has given to us. And I have a special point of emphasis this morning. I should have quit just a moment ago and not mentioned this. We, especially, individually and corporately, need to be concentrating on meeting needs that will break down walls. And here we are in 2014, and the same walls that Paul was trying to break down are still up. Racial walls. Jesus broke down every one of those walls, but we put them right back up. We oppose the work of Christ. We'd have to have our, hand, our head in the sand to not realize that there's still a wall that exists between even white believers and black believers. And we ought to be doing everything in our power to minister to needs in communities just like that towards the end of breaking down that blasted wall and keeping it down. Hispanics are moving in more quickly than we can count. And leading the charge, railing against them often, are the people of God. And I'm not on to the political thing right here, but I do want to say this. We talk about carrying the gospel to people. How about when God just brings them to us? Let's just love them. Let's share the gospel with them. Let's start churches for them that are Protestant. Others are coming. And we can gripe and complain, but they're going to keep on coming. There are economic walls that are up too. It breaks my heart. And this isn't, look, this isn't a complaint. It breaks my heart that people that are comfortable with coming to celebrate recovery aren't as comfortable coming to this service. And that's not a knock on you or a knock on me. I think you're all nice as can be. Now to just show up, but we need to be thinking about that. Why is that? It's a reality. Whether the reality or, or the, the image that they have is correct or not, it's, it's a reality. There's an economic wall. We need to be constantly thinking, intentionally thinking about how we can break down the wall and reach all sorts of people. Because the poor are increasing. Amen? Fourth part of your plan to fulfill God's purpose for your life, prayer. It's how you plug in to the power for your plans and your purpose. It's how you balance your plans with God's. Do you know that your plan may not come to pass? We still make plans, though. Good. Or, or our plans may not turn out in the exact same way that we, we thought they would. We may not even get what we pray for. But we still pray. And we pray hard. We strive. We agonize. You know that word that Paul used speaks of this as spiritual warfare, and it is. When you go to try to impact lives for Jesus, there's a battle that's raging. 
Because everybody doesn't want that to happen, beginning with Satan. So we agonize and we pray, we do it fervently. Pray for your plans and for the people God has given you. Pray for the plans of others. Pray for the plans of the church. Pray with others. Pray with the church. Wednesday night you'll have an opportunity to do that. Pray for rescue from our enemies because we have some that don't want to see the church become what it should be. Pray for the ministry of meeting needs, that it would be acceptable to the people that we're doing it to and that it would break down walls. Pray for the church that it would be enjoyable. And I say that even as we're 15 minutes over this morning. Alabama went into overtime last night. No complaints about that. I want to win however many overtimes it takes. Just want to win. Pray that church would be refreshing and edifying and glorifying to God and gospel-centered and missions-driven that we would fulfill our purpose, that members would fulfill theirs. Pray for missions. Pray for missionaries. Pray for peace. Look at the last verse in the passage. The God of peace be with all of you. Amen. Can we all say amen to that? God be with us. God of peace reign over us. Pray. You can't fulfill God's purpose for your life apart from it. It's a critical part of your plan to fulfill God's purpose for your life. So, what is your plan? to fulfill God's purpose for your life. Do you have one? Do you have the right one? I'd be the first to admit my priorities get out of place all the time. That's where I live most of the time, with misplaced priorities. These things that we've talked about today should be parts of your plan. They were part of Paul's plan, but even more, hear this. These are parts of God's plan for us. He not only gives us purpose, He gives us plans to fulfill it. So make God's plan your plan to fulfill His purpose for your life. Let me finally end with God's plan. It centers around Jesus, He is Lord and Savior. He has lived the life that satisfies the demands of a holy God that none of us can. He has died on the cross to take the punishment for sinners. He has risen from the grave to conquer death. You are commanded by the word of God to repent and believe on Jesus for salvation, for the forgiveness of your sins and for eternal life. It is the only way to be saved. So if you have not, Turn to Jesus today and then get started with your plan to fulfill God's purpose for your life.